Wine Studio. And in fact, sleep is a very active process. So there was this uh, lot of research about this, uh, and you're right. People felt that the person themselves does not realize they have a sleep problem. They have related the impact of this to scholastic performance, and the sleep duration and mortality has also been related. That the people who are short sleepers they die faster. The people who are very long, more than nine hours, also health is impacted, death. So we have risks at both ends. short sleepers and long sleepers so we have to supposed to be staying in the middle so that is when you sleep and you wake up without any alarm and you wake up feeling rested and fresh and you go through the day fresh so that's one of the best ways to find out that how many hours of sleep do i need one of the factors which worsens sleep is the worry about sleep so we call it a perpetuating factor From Wine Studio, you are listening to the inspiring talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business, and career to the next level. Dr. Manveer Bhatia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. You know we have had conversations on several topics on the podcast but we have never gotten to have conversation about sleep and I think there's a lot of conversation that's going on around uh, the importance of sleep lately uh, while a lot of lot of people see sleeping is less productive of a job like hey you got to be working all the time. So let's begin by talking about why do we need to sleep? so i think a very important question and an apt question to start with if you were to just think about life and we spend about one third of our lifespan that's because of you think that we spend about 7 to 8 hours out of the 24 hours in sleep so it must have a purpose so this purpose is with the advent of science and discoveries and all the gadgets that we have at our disposal now it's still being unraveled so it's undergone a lot of changes let's say in the 50s it was almost thought that sleep is a very passive process you go to sleep the brain shuts down body shuts down and you wake up that's in total contrast to what we see now and in fact sleep is a very active process when we say active that means lots of things are happening in the body and the brain in those time that we are sleeping and those things which we can go into more detail are essential for us to be productive creative happy healthy all put together so sleep is according to us and also to the sleep specialists and the world itself now it's considered in fact as a third pillar of health in addition to diet nutrition exercise not only that some people say it is the base on which the health stands so everything is kind of linked yeah so you are one of the first people in india to sort of start in a medical organization the sleep division and so on and so forth so how have you seen patients the people who would come to you maybe you know three decade back to now the kind of people who come to you how this has sort of changed what is there something that you see drastic change or something that concerns you as a doctor So first thing yes it's markedly changed. Uh so when I first got into this field which when I was at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences uh, New Delhi there was only one aims that time um had got trained overseas and come and started the sleep clinic it was thought that you know who's going to walk in as a patient and say I have a sleep disorder. So that's the kind of initial thought that we had and it was rough i mean that maybe if you sit in a in an aims opd where you have lines outside every clinic you know you'd get maybe very few two three types you know and that's so over the years but let's say fast forward 10 years we started getting more 20 years even more and um, today we can say that you know we are booked uh, totally there is a waiting time so there is a lot of awareness in short so people are coming forth themselves uh, with sleep issues so which i find has uh, been a remarkable change that they themselves have realized that this is an issue 
and I need to deal with it. That's a big change. Uh, what has happened? What are the things that are coming forward with all kinds of problems and all kinds of ages? So often we've been asked the question that you know what is the age group you get? What is the commonest complaint you get? So yes, by and large, the commonest complaint is poor sleep. So, but that poor sleep, uh, we have to go into a lot of depth about this poor sleep. So, what does this poor sleep mean? So, so you can't fall asleep. Does the sleep break a lot? Um, are you tired in the day? And what is the impact on the day? Are you moody, irritable, con concentration? So, all those things. Lots of impact or about your other medical conditions. Any other um, medicines that you are having? Any hobbies? And then there is this whole entity now as voluntary sleep restriction, we call it. Meaning that you are on your phone. So one is work-related. Shift work is a big condition. But I'm talking about voluntary sleep restriction, meaning that I voluntarily don't go to sleep at the time that I should. So that is an entity called a sleep deprivation. So lots of sleep issues. We have, in fact, more than 80 or 90 sleep conditions. And uh, some person can have two or three types. So it takes a lot of unraveling. It's like a mystery which you have to solve. So you need at least minimum 30, 40, 45 minutes with a patient to understand their complete problem. Got it. So we are going to try and unravel some of that mystery in this uh, conversation. So for somebody who has never looked at, like, hey, you know what, like you said, this can also be a problem. Like if I'm not falling asleep or if my sleeps, uh, if my sleep is, you know, gets broken during the night, just to understand that, hey, you know what, what are the basics what I need to know about sleep? What are the few things that you want people to know about their sleep? So there was this uh, lot of research about this. Uh, and you're right, people felt that the person themselves does not realize I have a sleep problem. So, you see, when you have fever, you realize I have fever because you measure it, you have warm body aches, etc. You have a headache, it's a symptom. Now, the sleep issue, I have a sleep issue and people still go round and round. They don't know what to do about it. So, there was this uh, terminology which was developed, which was something called as sleep health. So, you know, WHO has definitions on health. Uh, there was a concept of heart health a long time ago. Uh, but this was a new thought about sleep health. So, what should one look at when you're looking at sleep? So basically, there are these few things that are very important. One, so it's uh, the acronym is called as uh, SATED. That means your sleep timing. Uh, what is your alertness level? What is your duration? Uh, what is your efficiency? And how are you in your day? So keeping just briefly, you just need to ask an individual how, or to put it even shorter and a much more concise manner, how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Are you rested or do you want to go back to bed? Are you tired? So, you know, that saying which was there that have you got off the wrong side of the bed? So that saying I feel now is appropriate because we know that sleep has a mood regulation impact. Or somebody used to say, sleep on it. You know, if you want a solution to your problem, sleep on it. So we now we know that while you are sleeping, the brain is processing. So you will get a solution. So there have been big uh, musicians who've written uh, music at night when they've woken up and put things down. There have been artists. So the brain, all this just proves that the brain is very active. And uh, people need to recognize this much earlier. That how do I feel when I wake up in the morning? And how do I feel in the day? If I'm sitting in a meeting and I tend to doze off. If I'm trying to do some work and I feel that I'm just going this, you know, this word again which has become very popular is something called as brain fog mm -hmm. i'm not the best that i was or i should be these are very subtle symptoms other ones are of course are things like snoring so snoring loud snoring persistent snoring disturbing the bed partners choking at night getting up to drink water is a symptom thrashing about at night kicking sleep talking walking i've had all kinds of conditions with people committing certain acts which they have no recall and they're very scared. I've had children who walked onto the balcony and opened a door. I've had a young boy who walked out of a glass door and cut up his arteries. So lots of things can be in all respects. I have a person who kind of 
fell off the bed thinking he's jumping off a plane somebody strangled the wife saying that there's a robber in the house so it's it's a lot of symptoms are there but like i said people can have one symptom can have mixtures the other thing that i think we can just touch briefly is that sleep aids is where we should come in what are the kind of th- if you feel that you are taking something to fall asleep that's one of the first things that you should please seek help so these sleep aids um, alcohol actually is one of the commonest aids and people are telling each other that you know don't worry if you can't sleep just take a drink you'll fall asleep ha uh, then is the smoke then is a substance which has come and they are just ad- advising each other then there are these tablets so which i have seen in the families the seniors tell the middle generation and that person says okay, don't worry you know i am taking it you also take it so these kind of sleep aids which we are advising or advocating or to each other chewing gums and what not yeah so the melatonin uh, gum gums. has has considerably gone up in billions the production the pharma has made so all these things are some signs that you should seek help got it so let's get to the understanding of the role of now that you know we're talking about melatonin let's understand what that is and you can maybe then touch upon why people are being sort of marketed that oh you know what you need to start taking melatonin before somebody just pop in that pill or a chewing gum whatever that is right is there a way that they can try and do something at their home or you know try and take charge of the melatonin maybe you can share what that is in the first place for the people who don't know and then maybe we can get into the details of it to understand this we need to get a little background about what really controls sleep so what makes us sleep and the other way is what makes us stay awake in the day so there are these two big systems which are in our body and which they are synchronized that means they work together one is a circadian system in fact they did win the nobel prize a few years ago on this um so it's an interesting concept that the circadian system functions on the circadian there's a clock so by simply we tell my same patients i tell them that there is a master clock in the brain but there are millions of clocks in all your body so that master clock controls all the body clocks and this master clock is regulated or controlled by the light outside that's a big these are words which are called as zeit givers but light your drive for food etc they're all zeit givers so they control your master clock now that means when the light goes off it sends a message to the brain that the night has come so the hormone called melatonin is secreted which helps you fall asleep it helps you to stay asleep and then the melatonin dips after the middle of the night and then you wake up so that's the cycle of the melatonin now what then a second system is called as a sleep drive system that's a inert or a innate biological system that means the longer you stay awake the sleep drive builds up so it's something akin to your hunger system so if i stay fasting for very long i'm more hungry then and you will tend to eat more so similarly if you stay awake for longer the sleep drive is built up so if you were to again go back onto the day and night if you stay awake through the whole day let's say whatever 7 8 am to whatever 10 pm that many hours the drive is building up building up building up and that chemical is called adenosine so it builds up builds up so melatonin starts coming adenosine comes they both come together and you fall asleep now let's see what can disrupt these two so melatonin the big disruptor is the light so the gadgets that we use whether now there are a lot of these goggles and glasses and blue blockers and this and that but that light will suppress your melatonin and tells your brain that it is day it's not night yet it's not night yet mm-hmm. so you please carry on increasing or enhancing your day uh, time the caffeine that you take blocks your adenosine so you say okay that's again day so then you have pushed your night uh, later and later so this is what we call as a delayed sleep syndrome or a delayed sleep phase i saw the person yesterday so they start at 1 2 3 4 now he's sleeping at 5 in the morning and it's a routine so 5 and they get up at noon so you can imagine the impact on your health so this is how we pushed it 
Now, what is the adverse effect about the day chemicals? So, the day chemicals, we have, a, so actually body is more like a chemical factory, we say. That some chemicals are coming on, some are shutting off. It's like an internal process. But we have started messing with it. And that's where the health is going. So, the people who are circadian biologists, they feel that the root cause of all health issues is that we've messed up our day and night cycles. So, this is only two chemicals I've talked about. We have day chemicals like cortisol. You know, which everybody understands cortisol and stress hormone. So that's supposed to peak in the morning. Because you get up, you get that shot of whatever your cortisol shot. You have noradrenaline, you have histamine, you have dopamine, you have serotonin. They make you feel very good, very happy, very content and you go through the day. Now at night, they're supposed to get less. But if you are awake at night, you are continuously pushing that cortisol and adrenaline. Plus... If we are doing the work, like taking work at 9 p.m. and there's some firefighting happens, all of a sudden your stress cortisol is very high. So it's spiking. So this will result in raised blood pressure, raised blood sugars, increased chances of having cardiac events. It's like a mega stress inflammatory response going on. So there's so much talk now about inflammation and health. No? There is food. They say, please take anti-inflammatory diet. Please do this. Cut the inflammation. But this, our habits, we are increasing the inflammation. Hmm. So, what I could get from what you've just shared is try and get into the cycle. Try and follow the cycle of the sun. The easiest way to yeah, track this is... So, with the advent of lights, in fact, some biologists say that the light discovery is the one which disrupted your sleep and then came the internet and then that's where it's gone. You know, we're not telling people that please go to bed by sunset, that is 7, 8 p.m. You can do an hour or two later, maybe something, but that's what it should be like. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to quote a study here and I want you to share on what are some of the worst case scenarios that you have seen when it comes to, you know, sleep deprivation or when people have on a sustained period of time slept lesser than they should actually. And I have another interesting question, which I'll ask after this. So, you know, Matthew Walker, you know, one of the, I know, yeah. yeah, so sleep uh, research, he said that there is a research that happens every year, twice, where, you know, which is called is daylight saving, which is like just one hour, cutting down one hour, you know, daylight. And during that time, people are sleeping less. And because of which, there was 24% increase in heart attacks. And when they gain an extra hour of sleep, there is 21% decrease in heart attacks. So, you know, this was shocking to me. So, uh, in addition to this, there are now other numerous studies as well. Especially they have shown studies in uh, high school teens that when there is sleep deprivation, the accident rate is much higher those days. So, the motor vehicle accident. Then they have also related this to substance abuse. They have related the impact of this to scholastic performance. And the sleep duration and mortality has also been related. That the people who are short sleepers, die they die faster. The people who are very long, more than nine hours, also health is impacted. Death. So, the two major impacts are morbidity, we call illness, oh, and mortality is death. Okay, hang in there. So you're saying the people who sleep more than nine hours no, is also not good. Okay. So it's a U-shaped curve. Why so is that? We mm. So we have risks at both ends, short sleepers and long sleepers. So we have supposed to be staying in the middle. Which is seven to nine, eight. Seven to eight, eight and a half for adults. So we have different for children, different for elderly, but roughly adults is seven to eight and a half. Mm. What are some of the effects that you have seen in people who have ignored sleep for a longer yeah, duration so of time? So if we kind of Put the sleep, I talked about some symptoms, but if you put them broadly into categories, so first symptom is that I can't sleep. You know, so those people I have seen that they have developed severe depression, severe anxiety, almost to the point of uh, suicidal tendencies. So, uh, but having said that, let's go back a bit and say that the mental health and sleep are very closely related and they have what is called as a bi-directional relationship. Meaning that if the sleep is not good, you are at risk to develop depression and anxiety. In fact, 30 to 40% can. And it can be, now we know that it could be a precedent or a, it can come first, a predecessor, and then the depression anxiety will come if not treated. Other way around is also there that people who have depression and anxiety have sleep, poor sleep as their symptom 
and we need to improve it to improve them. So these people are on multiple drugs, not getting control, very bad sleep timing, sleeping at 5, 6, very anxious, not able to sleep. Yesterday I saw this lady, she's sleeping one hour or night according to her. It's very tense and she's crying and she's sitting in front of you. You can make out that life is just miserable. So that's the insomnia part. So we have certain limits of how much a medication should be used if used for sleeping. They are taking 10 times to 20 times that pill and still coming and saying that I'm not sleeping. So the abuse potential of a medical agent has also become very high. Then we have people who are snoring. So if you are snoring with this gasping, choking, this condition called as sleep apnea, they've had a stroke, they could have had a cardiac event, they've had stents, a heart can give up and cause cardiomyopathy. But all that has got missed because sleep apnea was not treated. Now they will come and say, yes, you know, that was a possibility. And the bigger worry now is this entity called dementia. So sleep is very important for memory processing, memory formation and cleaning of the brain. It's like a housekeeping which happens. So if we do not allow sleep or a good sleep, we are at risk for memory issues. So that's again another issue. So we've seen these. Some I've seen, I've told you the worst scenarios that I can remember are these scary things where you can harm yourself. You know, this boy, like I said, he was not in this country. He was outside. He was found walking in the snow with blood dripping. And actually, he had ripped his artery because he walked out of a glass door, yeah. the double glass door. Mm, yeah, actually, one of my cousin's husband and she was just married to him. They realized he had this problem of sleepwalking. He was posted somewhere else for his job or maybe some training or event and stuff like that. And they were in the first floor and they were sleeping there. And at the night, he walks out of the window and he was dropped dead. Yeah. So this kid, I can still, you know, the parents that they came and they helped him. So, but it was very scary. So this is how so sudden death can also happen in obstructive sleep apnea. That people keep asking that you slept. You know, we've had a couple of important people dying with this sleep apnea. Then there are these yeah. issues like the pilot who dozed off. A lot of people now are developing this something called as, you know, sleep apnea. You know, for me, it was new because one of the mentors and, uh, you know, and the investor in our company, he, you know, now sleeps with this equipment, you know, machine. And because during his hustling years, he was barely sleeping. And one of the things that he says is like, hey, do whatever you want to do as an entrepreneur, but don't mess with your sleep because he has done that. And he now sleeps with, you know, this machine and he can't sleep without that. So maybe we can share more on what sleep apnea is. So what is sleep apnea? So as the word itself tells you, sleep is this word sleep apnea means a pause in breathing so by criteria because see we have definitions for everything in medicine so this is that the pause has to be 10 seconds or more for it to be significant so an obstructive sleep apnea happens to be a kind of sleep apnea where the breathing passage or pipe gets closed at night or obstructed so that's what it how it is what does it cause or what are the symptoms? First is, of course, snoring, which is going on in people for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years. I always ask people, so what brought you here today? It's been for long, but why did you come today? So it's either the snoring has become really, very loud or the partner has managed to convince them or it is now affecting their own day. That they get up, they can't function, they need three cups of coffee. Somebody was driving from Delhi to Gurgaon, stops a couple of times, throws water chews gum, does slaps himself. I've heard all sorts of things how they keep themselves awake. Somebody was in a meeting and during the meeting dozed off and snored and it was like, so people just kind of got really shocked. So things like that. So this is how they're snoring. Then there is gasping, choking and the day, the impact on the day that you become tired, fatigued, sleepy, moody, irritable, angry, all that. Then the blood pressure starts rising. So they'll come and say, you know, no, no, my blood pressure has always been okay. Today is the first day. So I say, okay, please go back and get it checked again. So BP will rise, sugars will rise and you start getting, if you're younger, you will start entering that phase of a pre-cardiac kind of problem. Older, you will start, uh, memory problems will start, forgetfulness will start and things like that. So that's a sleep apnea. How do we confirm it? We, like we confirm everything else, like if somebody tells you you have high blood pressure, you will check it. So similarly, if you have a doubt that this is sleep apnea, we have to do a test 
which is called as a sleep a study or a sleep test uh, this fortunately now can be done in numerous ways so initially it was and that still remains the gold standard that we have lots of sensors we put on the brain muscles breathing snoring position that you are in all that is recorded at night and we are able to see what was the sleep quality what was the breathing like how many of these pauses happened how much did the oxygen drop and that's a full night test usually requires a good technician a very trained person to look at the report like the reporting takes 2 to 2 hours for us to report it that's one part now we have simpler techniques also which are self hook up that we give the patients the device they wear it and the device comes back now we have something like a ring also that people can wear and send it back so it depends how much depth you are studying what is the individual and we have different ways in short of doing a sleep study got it yeah you mentioned about you know people forgetting things or memory being affected after sleep and there is a very uh, very popular story of this guy called you know Randy Gartner i think it was in 1960s when he was just 17 years old and he said i'm going to break the you know world record by being the guy who's staying awake and he ends up not sleeping for 11 days and uh, you know right after that he uh, was uh, made to do some very simple mathematical calculation where he was to just subtract 7 every time from 100 and go back to 0 and he stops at 65 and he couldn't uh, you know figure anything out and on the short term everybody said that oh, there's no problem of him not sleeping and there's there's absolutely no problem after 11 days he went on for 14 hours sleep and then after that he slept for another you know, 10 hours and then you know the regular thing happened and later on he developed sleep apnea and he said i can't sleep anymore now i was listening to him share his story on one of the podcast and he said i think this is my karma coming back and saying that you did that stunt when you were 17 now for the rest of your life you can't sleep which was very very interesting now one of the things that i often hear and mostly from the people who are i'm sure you must have heard things like prime minister modi saying that you know just sleep for 4 hours or maybe a lot of uh, you know yogic practitioners saying that you know i i can function with just like 4 to 5 hours and even some of these people actually have said you know i don't want to waste very important part of my life just sleeping you know and this is you know some uh, some popular guru you know where millions of people follow is it possible for people to absolutely function perfectly by sleeping 4 to 6 hours so you know we actually are a little skeptical about this and don't want people to follow this to the t because firstly we have no objective uh, data that really in 24 hours how many hours sleep is there you know so if you are in meditation and if you are doing some of these kriyas you may enter into a light stage of sleep and come out so whether there are little chunks happening through the day we don't know that's one part second everybody has private life so are you taking some nap somewhere else in a car in a plane 10 minutes we don't know that's one part but assume that okay there are some people who are functioning well on this four five so again for this we have a graph like a u shaped thing again let's say that majority by majority i mean that almost 80 85 90% of people are going to be in this middle range who need 7 to 8 and a half so there are a very small fraction and that fraction is maybe less than 5% who need less than 6 hours so that what any individual who starts following this should first realize that am i in that lot and that's one thing so you can't so how to do that so that brings us to this question that how do you know what is my sleep need so that is when you sleep and you wake up without any alarm and you wake up feeling rested and fresh and you go through the day fresh so that's one of the best ways to find out that how many hours of sleep do i need so there are people who are forcing themselves to get up at 5 to do some exercise and they are tired then they take a nap so we don't know how many then they say they sleep 5 hours so i think in short you know we repeatedly say this that please do not wear this as a badge of honor so this is another thing of concern that when um, during student life or later on people talk to each other and say that you know i only slept 5 hours and i was able to manage so the person who's needing more sleep or sleeping well 
is actually made to feel guilty and they, so in the colleges now that i'm seeing uh, that the poor kids who are sleeping more are being ridiculed and you know and uh, they they're not made to feel a part of the other kids that they don't belong so it's not a good thing so they are made to feel uh, like almost ostracized that you know why do you need so much sleep yeah so there is another entity which we've not talked about but we are mentioning uh, younger people all the time so that's another entity which is getting uh, missed uh, as a diagnosis and the delay in diagnosis is almost 10 years even overseas and that condition is called as hypersomnia or narcolepsy uh, meaning that you need excessive sleep so we talked about control of sleep but we didn't go into the details but anyway there is another newer molecule which has been discovered which is like a master controller over the melatonin and stuff like that and that's a molecule called as orexin so what orexin does it stabilizes the night sleep and keeps us very alert so it does both now imagine if something is keeping you alert and it's not there so what will happen the sleep will intrude into the day so if you are sitting talking working studying you are just continuously falling asleep so these and this disorder unfortunately comes around teenage now in teenage lots of other things are happening people are uh, voluntarily sleep restricting as we talked about they have a delayed sleep phase they are sleeping late so first few years it's all said that you are just a lazy person and your timings are not right you set yourself right this molecule also controls weight and appetite so they tend to eat more they gain more weight so they label definitely that you are lazy so a few years pass like this and then finally it's realized that you know they are sleeping properly but they are still not functioning in the day so i have four of 100 patients now on this average delay time in diagnosis more than 7 to 8 years and uh, we have doctors who have had a hard time we have engineers who have had a hard time some couple of engineers now are working from home because they're not able to do this 8 9 hours continuous at home we are allowed them to take a nap i had some children where we've written to schools that please allow them to take a nap so it's it's a very tough diagnosis tough to manage it's a long term chronic i just recently had one international young boy having a very hard time with studies and the mother is now shifted in and is helping him and just the father yesterday said that he's doing well in studies so it's a a tough thing to diagnose but they need to be diagnosed they need to be helped otherwise then they get mental health problems so they get depression then it's all said that you are lazy you are sleepy and you are depressed but there is an entity so that is i think needs to be highlighted so these people if anybody who feels that i am not fresh in the day i'm sleepy in the day needs to seek help mm mm-hmm. great in the world of the whole you know information around the productivity one of the things that is very strongly uh, sort of put forth is afternoon naps uh, what are your thoughts on afternoon naps so that also recently there's been a lot of discussion and research on this so nap is supposed to be that's why the word comes up as power nap so these uh, and people have proven that you take this short nap you are more productive and there's a fresh spark to the day so the issue the nap is good number one the issue is the duration of nap the timing of nap so duration we want 10 15 20 minutes why because you know you will enter after that into deep sleep and when you wake up from deep sleep there is an entity called as sleep drunkenness that you are very wobbly you are very shaky there is brain fog so you don't feel good so you are if you're taking that nap to feel good then that impact is lost so stage 2 when you get out of uh, sleep you are very much brighter so the shorter the nap second is the timing so we need this nap it should be like middle of the day naps like 2 to 33 so if you take this nap at 6 pm 5 pm it will interfere with your night sleep so i think keeping in mind those two conditions and there are people who are getting up like 4:35 from them the day till 10 11 is too long then they can take a short nap 10 15 minutes in the middle of the day hmm. you mentioned about adenosine and uh, you know yeah right so how the receptor for adenosine and caffeine is pretty much the same right so if you put in 
caffeine in there then you know it impacts with your sleep like you mentioned so what's your thought about like coffee intake because i see a lot of people you know one of the things that i have sort of said that if i want to have coffee i have to have it before 12 or 1 pm i don't want to have it after because it have an impact for almost 6 hours so caffeine uh, whether it is coffee whether it is tea whether it is chocolate whether it is ice cream colas they all have caffeine so the half life of caffeine that means half life meaning that half of it is gone from your body in almost 6 to 7 hours that means the rest is lingering so if you have a sleep issue and you realize that your body is sensitive then yes we please tell people please finish it off before 12 noon so that's also now we know strange a bit that all this like we said acts on that receptor now these receptors are different in different people and their reaction to the caffeine is also different so some people will tell us that you know i take a cup of coffee and i'm able to fall asleep so that's okay that works for them but if you have a sleep problem one side you're taking a sleeping aid then you are taking a cup of coffee at night i mean it's you have to just figure up. out mm. what is right mm. yeah little bit more logic is needed yeah you also mentioned about you know the breaking up the sleep and stuff like that so now let's move a little toward first solution part of this right how can i try and fix how can i create an environment where i can get the best sleep and we can get into you know details there but so let's understand like what are these so one of the things that you know i don't remember maybe you know a couple of years back i read this where it said that there is a cycle of certain minutes that keeps on going uh, you know for your sleep so if you wake in between the cycles so can you help us understand what the cycle is and how long that one cycle runs for so when we sleep and when we wake up mm-hmm. we are not in one state so we go through these different stages as it's called so what do these stages mean so there is uh, two major stages one is called as a rapid eye movement it's called rapid eye movement because the eyes were seen to move very rapidly by the first researcher who described it he was happened to be and he was monitoring and he said oh person is sleeping but the eyes are moving very fast so the simple terminology became rapid eye movement rest of the sleep the eyes were not moving so they were called non rapid eye movement and that still carried on like this so we first enter into non rapid eye movement and that has three stages stage 1 2 3 one is a very light sleep so people say that you know i was sleeping and i could hear somebody coming in uh, putting on the light off closing the door that means you're in light sleep from there you enter into a little deeper sleep and that's called stage 2 sleep stage 2 sleep has become very important again because of memory and there is uh, spindles and stuff like that happening there's a lot of basically uh, networking happening in the brain lots of areas are kind of working together and then from there we enter into a stage called as stage 3 which is a deep sleep which all these trackers allowed is telling people that you've not had deep sleep and people are getting very anxious so that's another entity we can talk about something called as orthosomnia that is that you have become obsessed with the patterns of your sleep and you're getting worried about it that's orthosomnia as a newer newer entity has come so then you enter into a rem sleep so this three of non rem one of rem is called as a cycle so that's usually about 90 minutes to 100 minutes types so if you have 7 to 8 hours we normally have four or five such cycles so ideally we need that much then to go a little deeper you also have to have certain times that you spend in that 2 3 rem so you can sleep 8 hours but suppose let's say there's no rem you are just roaming around in 1 2 and you wake up so you have had quantity but not quality then you'll again be tired so these are the other dimensions of a little deeper dimensions about sleep and how can one improve the quality so of now sleep? there's a lot of talk on this that how to improve quality and now people are reading deep sleep ka function they say you know deep sleep is missing so i'm not rested so i want to increase my deep sleep yeah and you know you mentioned like there are rings that allows you to track how yeah, yeah, you so there are rings there like are that. the watches and yeah, so all sorts so forth yeah so basically it will still go back to what we said earlier that what keeps you asleep and what keeps you awake and the other thing to remember is that my day what i do when i do what we discussed how i do will impact my night 
So there are simple ten principles. You have ten rules, but majorly things are that number one is a consistency in your bedtime and your wake up time, and that's called setting your circadian clock. So you kind of set it yourself. So bigger issue we are having now is that people are thinking that I set it really well for five days, but two days I sleep at five. So but why the Why am I having a sleep issue? So the body doesn't know it's your Saturday or it's your Friday or it's Monday. So better is to please set it. So fixed time for bedtime, fixed time for wake up. Then there are certain things which we discussed. Is this avoid certain stimulants? So stimulants can be in food, or it can be your own self, or it can be these lights or your environment or emotions. So you're very stressed. So we say no stressful pillow talk. We used to say. So think about something nice, something light, something happy. Calm that brain down. The brain is actually just overstimulated. So caffeine uh, is to be avoided. Close alcohol can disrupt the sleep. Nicotine is a stimulant. So all these uh, very aggressive things that we watch. The light is a stimulant. So all that we should we take care of. Third is the role of exercise. So exercise is one of the things which has been known, and there was a big labs which are only studying role of exercise on sleep so they've seen that exercise is one of the very good ways to increase your deep sleep but again the timing like we talked about timing of nap is a huge volumes on this exercise timing so it should be definitely 2 to 3 hours away from bedtime and adequate amount of exercise now people are sitting for the whole day so then maybe you need two bouts of exercise morning and evening walk etc then the last parts are like your bedroom so there's a lot of research about the impact of temperature so in a country like ours uh, it is hard that about this temperature you know that not everybody has access to everything so the temperature is a big factor so we need cooler temperature to get good sleep so temperature the light uh, how much light is coming in ideally that nights the light should be it has less. to be completely blocked out preferably as less as possible okay because it is so people there are some people who are keeping the tv on and sleeping so that light will never allow you to get into deep sleep or maybe a lamp yeah so you will fall asleep but then that light is going on stimulating a little it's not allowing the melatonin to come up then the sound so you know which again sometimes you can control sometimes you can't you are at the very busy yeah then you can't help it then comes of course the room the calm the quiet the clutter the mattress the sheet etc and a calming activity pre bedtime so i think this is another thing which people have to figure out which one you want to listen to music you want to read you want to do some shavasana you want to do some pranayam do something to calm the brain and have a some barrier between the day and the night so there is no uh, transition transition they they just if you are doing something you switch off the light you lie down you say i can't sleep and the brain won't shut down it's not a computer that you shut the desktop off or the laptop i think that's off. a very interesting important insight here yeah so we need a transition phase they just calm yourself down i think that's a that's missing a lot right so we are on computer we shut it down and like okay i want to go to sleep and then and you try and fall asleep then you can't yeah then you take a sleep aid So every day I'm facing this. That people are saying that you know I'm lying down, but I'm not able to sleep. So I'm not able to sleep. So then I have to get up. Then I have to take a tablet, or I take another drink. But that's not the reason. The reason is then that you give yourself that half an hour, sit somewhere quietly, do something, write down something, do whatever. Then allow yourself to sleep. What's the ideal temperature that one should look at? So they are saying it's about twenty, twenty-one, fifty degrees centigrade types. Mm-hmm. So you need like a colder, cool, cooler. What's cooler. the logic there? It. it stimulates and it's better for the certain areas of the brain which are the sleep generators so these experiments have been done in mice and they've cooled them and things like that at different temperatures and they found at that temperature the preoptic area where the sleep hormones come out it works well best and that works for the tropical country like ours as it well it works everywhere that's the ideal temperature but it's how much we can get it is what you know and how everybody can avail of it is a big issue hmm so what are the things that parents who might be listening to this should know about getting sleep for their kids so i think a uh, important thing to also know is what is the sleep requirement according to age so we talked about the adults now we know that newborns whoever has seen newborns it's the saying goes that oh, they sleep most of the time 
So most of the time means that almost 16 to 18 hours they are sleeping. By one year, it will become maybe 13, 14 hours. By two, three years, it's almost 11, 12 hours. By school toddlers, it's about 10, 11 hours. Then by teenagers, but you'll be surprised to know, teenagers in theory need about 9 to 9.5, which they never get. Mm -hmm. So now the parents, again, would be that what is the age of your child? So we, I have seen a lot of parents who are allowing the child to take two chunks of sleep, meaning that yes, the children are sleeping late. They are also watching something. The, parent, the, the father comes back from work late. So the child stays awake. Thus, getting up for school at 6. So that's very little sleep. Then they come back from school and take another big nap. So that age, there's no need to take a nap. So we talked about the functions or the benefit of getting that long chunk of sleep. That benefit is not achieved by getting two broken halves of sleep. So the parents have to please realize that you please allow the kids to get that one chunk. The growth hormone comes up there. Cortisols are suppressed. All those are very important. Thyroid hormones for the the gonadotropic hormones, the sexual hormones all have a different peaks which are coming. So that's one part. Second, only thing that what parents do need to know that when the child reaches a teenage, there is a natural delay in the secretion of melatonin. So if, if, if the child, let's say that everything was going well, the child is getting into bed, whatever, 7, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., falling asleep comes this teenage, which is now coming much earlier than even 13, they're not able to fall asleep. Because the melatonin has actually got pushed later. It's a, just a physiological change. So if it was starting early, peaking, it's now got pushed more. So it's coming later and peaking later, another hour or two maybe. So you should have that much allowance and acceptance that, okay, now he was going to bed at 8.39, maybe now it will be 10, 10.30. But the children push it to two because of their gadgets. So that much is one thing. That's why US has majorly worked on this advocacy and public policy and pushed school timings later for high school children. Many states have done it and they find accidents are less, scholastic performance is better, substance abuse is less, moods are better, depression is less. So they are, they are on this big move that for high school, please push the timing later so that kids can get some good sleep. Then, of course, the other thing, so this is sleep health. So there are two entities which we've been discussing. One is just general sleep health and one is sleep disorders. So we have to keep both in parallel. The parents should also be very quick to recognize, does my child have a sleep disorder? So one, if the child is genuinely not able to fall asleep till 3, 4, maybe then that's a delayed sleep phase. So we need to work. If the child has a very restless sleep, is snoring, sitting up, uh, coughing, very frequent respiratory infections. Maybe the child has got child sleep apnea. So we have child sleep apnea. The child is getting up at night, walking, having some kind of abnormal movements, maybe having fits in sleep, maybe having something else. Then we come across this entity that the reports are coming that the child comes to school and sleeps off and, you know, is not able to stay awake, continuously puts the head down. Child's grades start dropping, has become very aggressive, fights a lot. So all these parents should not just say, Koi baat nahi. Mm. this will get okay. Mm. So take early cognizance and early help, mm. you know, then things will get better. Mm. And for the people who are, you know, growing in the age, like people who get to a little older and, you know, does this sleep like naturally sort of shortens? Yeah, Is so that, mm. like when aging happens in the body, like, Every organ goes through a change. So the brain also changes. So the cells where these chemicals are generated or released for sleep change. So in elderly, like say above 80 or 75, 80, sleep quality will be much poorer. Sleep duration will be much less. So I have people who are 80 wanting to sleep that I'm not able to get that deep sleep. So then we have to educate and share that you may not get such good sleep. But don't, to get that good sleep, don't take a sleeping pill. That's part of this therapy called as uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. That CBT. So CBT basically stands for this, that you make them aware or educate them about their sleep, make them understand what are the factors which are worsening, then suggest 
personalized remedy for them great so for me i'd like to believe that i've never had problem with sleep i tend not to wake up during the night and you know so on and so forth and still i try to control my environment as much as i can uh, you know things like you know now you have these smart lights right so i automate that the moment clock hits 7 automatically the lights sort of get goes like yellow and then things like keeping temperature low and uh, my recent discovery which i absolutely love is eye mask Sure. uh just put that one and it's completely dark those are the things i'm yet to get into like the device and monitoring and get like geek out on the so i don't mm. think you should so we are not we're telling people please stay away from them uh in fact recently a friend of ours he got this new ring somebody gave it to him and uh, he said i've always been well he's does his regular yoga he walks he's very fit but he came and saw me because he said my sir my sleep is not okay i said what what how did you come to know He said, "Yeah, this gadget told me," and he, because he, the gadget told him, he actually developed this thing, thought that my sleep is not okay, and he got really worried about it. And then I had to do a proper sleep study, a counselling, and I said, "See, your sleep is okay. Please keep that." And now he took off the ring, mm. the gadget, and, and he's much better. <laughs> so there, there is uh, not a need to not to measure sleep with this. Sleep is how you feel in the morning. that's good enough and you can control your and that's a good question animal. to ask yeah. like how i'm feeling throughout the day am i and feeling groggy feel in the and, you know yes. is my mood regulated and so on and yes. so forth right a uh, couple of months back i realized that of course i didn't do any tests and stuff like that but i could feel that you know i'm more stressed and my cortisol level is you know it's it's rising and i had to do something about it and i introduced you know breath work and uh, meditation and then you know all of a sudden i could almost instantly like feel breath that. work sort of bring down the cortisol level so what are some of the practices that you personally follow in your own life uh, yeah so coming to this breath work i'll tell you so we did a research with the iit boys sometime back with the biomedical group uh, the impact of a uh, couple of these pranayama om chanting and objectively it was seen that your heart rate variability it's called it kind of really comes down so there are two systems in our body sympathetic and parasympathetic so we are all in a very high sympathetic mode so we need to get into the parasympathetic at some time so this pranayama actually does that so my practices are i know a lot of my patients first thing they ask me are you sleeping well so some days if i don't i start thinking that maybe i'm going down that path it is a, a very scary thought um so i try to stay away from that thought because one of the factors which worsens sleep is a worry about sleep so we call it a perpetuating factor which is the big model that we work on but i think basically uh, like you said fortunately i have also been fortunate that it's okay so far besides you know except once or twice whatever i do believe a lot that the day governs my night so the wake up time is kind of fixed regardless of and i usually the bedtime wake up time is very fixed so people say that there should be like a good morning routine and a good night routine so i was in fact this morning only going over this morning routine so there should be a walk then there's yoga then there is some time to yourself then preferably reach the office at least 1 hour before the everybody else comes down on you so you have some mind space so walk and yoga should be or some any spiritual practice or some breathing so which basically comes uh, you before the day kind of starts so if you are if i'm walking around then i'm just listening to some uh, calming kind of something something so day is busy because and then i am have become particularly sensitive to caffeine so i am very clear that i have to finish that coffee before 11:30 12 uh, tea i can still manage now till 4:35 but after 5 i can't even have tea now and uh, dinner is usually light and early and some so another thing that we are telling people is not to become too strict so if you want to watch the tv you can watch the tv but the problem with this tv now has become that because of this continuity yeah people are not able to break it so we do watch uh, for a little while but we do put it off manage to put it off and i don't uh, really much uh, like the very late night stuff because if the wake up time is fixed then your body doesn't uh, and you're working hours are you know and we need in our line and profession to be very attentive and enthusiastic and supportive and empathetic through the day so you have to have that um function happen well at night then only you will be good in the day 
So I think so fortunately it's been okay. Unless then, you know, like you have a presentation and if I have to travel, then those then you think that it's once in a while it'll go away. So usually I also do a evening walk after work because then you prefer to do it in two lots. Mm. Awesome. Any uh any last sleeping hacks that you want to share to uh, you know other than what we have already discussed to somebody who is listening to this um and maybe if somebody is really struggling with their sleep uh, you know where should they begin maybe you know should they try and create this environment and things that we said in the first place and then seek professional help or maybe just consult and do this as well parallelly uh, or yeah yeah i i think i would uh, like I, I say my mission has almost become to uh, create awareness about sleep health. And so that is, and I'm glad we have people like you who are helping us do that to reach a larger audience. Uh, one is, uh, but it, I'm also happy that over the years, um, it's getting recognition that it's due, a lot of recognition. So they say it's a few billion dollar industry, apparently, for the sleep sleep coming up. So for people, I think it's important just to take a look into your own self and see how do you feel in the morning and how do you feel in the day. And I think that will give people just a little bit of time to think. See, we are, we are also becoming what are called as doers. You know? We've stopped thinking, we've stopped sitting. In fact, uh, there's a very interesting article which came that um, when do you think we are most productive or creative? Is when we are thinking, planning, or when you're sitting by yourself, doing nothing. So it's actually when you're doing nothing. So there is a network in the brain which comes up, which is called as default mode network, which actually goes to a real height if you're sitting by yourself and just not doing something. So in other words, just think how you feel. And about the hack, see each, another thing that you remember is that each individual is very unique. So there are, when I see a couple you know one will say you know that person puts their head on the pillow and sleeps and I am not sleeping and I'm more angry because the other one has gone to sleep so each one is made very differently uh, somebody has coffee somebody doesn't have whatever think what you are what works for you uh, but remember that the day impacts your night so don't start harping about the night if you've done nothing in the day about it so day you have to be active be happy but about how to make your environment and focus. Yes, um, always first, there are these self-help techniques. Uh, you figure out where am I going wrong? You make this checklist of yours. We have a concept called a sleep diary, which is available on my website also. That, you know, then, then you know what happens. But if you feel that I am struggling, I have done everything and I'm not, it's not working out. Please do not delay for too long. And do not take advice from people who are not authorities and not from each other, definitely. Then seek help. See, like I tell people, if you have 102 fever, how long will you sit with 102 fever or 100 fever? Two, three days, you'll take a paracetamol, then you'll meet somebody. No? So similarly, do not neglect it for too long. Meet early and resolve it early so that the day can be much better yeah. and you can be more healthier. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking this time out and helping us understand about the sleep. And I think, you know, we have pretty much covered, you know, a lot of things in this. Um, and I think, you know, this can be a great thought starter for somebody, you know, who have never looked at their sleep and who have never bothered about like, hey, you know what, I mean, it's just part of my life. And maybe there's something else that I need to fix. That's why I'm feeling groggy and whatnot. But I think, uh, you know, now somebody who's listening to this they can go down their own rabbit hole and, you know, do a lot of research and study. And one thing that I want to acknowledge in this conversation is for everything that you are doing to, you know, champion this here in India, because I think you are one of those people who, who, you know, not like very recently, like everyone else, right? You've been doing this for decades now, We've been talking about this and, you know, deep into this ecosystem. So thank you so much for everything that you are doing and also, you know, sharing your wisdom with our audience. Um, you know, it has been one great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice, nice to have talked to you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed listening to this, I want you to do two things for me. Number one, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe to the podcast and give five-star ratings. 
this will help me attract more listeners to this podcast and take this information to a wider audience so that we can help more people grow in their life and second share this episode with at least 3 people in your network who you think need to hear this episode you never know just by sharing this episode you can help them transform their life be that person who helps other grow in their life thanks again for listening to this episode i'll catch you in the next now go out there and do something inspiring